Georgia Luttrell drove us back to the car and put the gas in it for us, and Granny smiled at him and called him Mr. George Luttrell, our hero. And the whole time I could not stop thinking about Vic's value, because behind the counter of Vic's, there was a calendar hanging on the wall. The calendar said October 1977 in swirly gold letters, and there was a picture of a tree covered in red leaves underneath the words. It was a very pretty tree. But the important thing is that next to the calendar, there was a phone. It was a green phone. It was mounted on the wall, and it was covered with greasy black fingerprints. I should have asked Vic if I could use the phone. I felt like someone in a fairy tale who'd wasted her one wish. I wished for 14 bags of peanuts, but I should have wished to make a phone call. And then I could call Beverly Tipinski and ask her to come and get me. Beverly Tipinski could figure out a way to come and get anybody. Beverly, if you were reading this, you know it's true. There are the rescuers in this world, and there are the rescued. I've always fallen to the second category. We were back on the road, and even though it was October, it was hot in the car. And it was made hotter still by the fact that I absolutely refused to speak to Granny. You can shun me, Louisiana, she said. You can turn your face away from me, but it does not change my abiding love for you. I stared out the window. Do not worry, said Granny. I am working toward our date with destiny, but I must tell you that I feel somewhat hobbled by my unwellness. She cleared her throat. She waited, but I did not ask her what kind of unwell Granny was. Instead, I continued to stare out the window. I ate my peanuts one by one, and I was glad that I had taken 14 bags of them, because there were not very many peanuts in each bag. I did not offer to share the peanuts with Granny, because I was not, in any way, feeling generous of spirit. Louisiana Elefante, said Granny, the day will come when you regret not speaking to me. I doubted it. So I passed Pandora, Granny started to whimper, and then the whimper began to moan. Granny moaned so loudly that I forgot about not talking to her. I said, Granny, what is wrong? She said, Oh, my tooth, my tooth! Oh, it is the curse of my father! Which did not make any sense at all, because the curse of Granny's father is not a tooth curse. It's the curse of sundering, but we will not speak of that now. We slowed down, and then we went slower still. Granny moaned a great deal. Then after a while, she pulled the car over to the side of the road and climbed to the back seat and lie down. Granny, I said, what are you doing? I am working to regain, regain my strength, she said. Do not worry, Louisiana. I am sure that I do not have to tell you that I did worry. Also, it didn't work. Granny did not regain her strength. She moaned louder. When I looked back at her, her cheeks were wet with sweat. Or maybe it was tears. Although, I have never in my life known Granny to cry. Together for the weak of heart, Louisiana, it is our job to be strong in this world. That was what Granny always said. What do you need, Granny? I asked. Instead of answering me, she howled. Granny! I shouted. You have to tell me what you need. Granny then said one word, and that word was dentist. It was not at all expected for her to say. My goodness, I had been torn from my home and from my friends. There was a curse upon my head, and I was on the side of the road in Georgia with a granny who was asking for a dentist. What could I do? Well, I will tell you what I did. I sat there for a minute and thought about my options, and there weren't very many of them. And that is how it came to pass that I, Louise Elef Elefante, slid behind the wheel of the car, cranked the engine, and put the blinker on and pulled out onto the highway and went in search of a dentist. Chapter 4
You may be surprised to learn that I had never driven a car before. However, I had certainly spent a lot of time watching Granny drive. I had learned some things. I knew how to lean forward as far as I could. I knew how to press on the gas pedal to make the car go. Also, I had a good idea of where the brake was. And steering was easy. I had no problem at all with steering. Several semis blew their horn at me as they went barreling down the highway. And I took that this is a criticism that I was not going fast enough. I blew my horn back at them. And then I gave it more gas. Granny was moaning in the back seat. Don't worry, Granny, I shouted at her. I'm going to find you a dentist. She did not answer me. I believe that she was in so much pain that she lost her ability to form words. I'd never known her to be such a state. I felt a wild shot of joy go through me. I made the car go faster. In the back seat, Granny moaned louder and louder still. I loved driving. However, when it came to some time of flying down the highway, that I wasn't sure how to find a dentist. There were billboards for real estate and hotels and pecan pies. I love pecan pies. But there were no signs for dentists. I figured that I was going to have to exit the highway. According to the signage, Richford was the next town. Richford, Georgia. It sounded like the kind of town that would have a dentist. I took the exit, and that is where my problems truly began. Driving up the highway is easy. Getting off the highway is not. At least it was not easy for me. I knew that I needed to slow down. I knew the brake pedal was next to the gas pedal, so I moved my foot in that direction and then pressed the brake pedal very hard. We came to a stop with a surprising amount of speed. We also did a lot of spinning around. Granny was thrown out the back seat and onto the floor. Empty peanut bags and other items went flying through the air. We stopped so fast that my whole life, everything that happened before me, flashed through my head. I'm only 12 years old, but several exciting things have occurred in those 12 years. For instance, in 1975, I was crowned Little Miss Central Florida Tire, and I received a check for $1,975. Also, that same year, I, also, I almost drowned, and I was underwater. I saw a blue fairy from Pinocchio. The blue fairy is very beautiful. I do not know if you know this or not. She was very beautiful and very kind, and when I was underwater, almost drowning, the blue fairy opened my arms to me and smiled. Her blue hair is floating above her head, and there was a light all around her. And then Remy came and saved me from drowning, and the blue fairy floated away. She went in the opposite direction, deeper to the pond. She looked extremely disappointed as she left. I've never told anybody that before, about the blue fairy appearing to me and how sad she seemed that I was not going with her. But I am writing it down now. There is a great deal of power in writing things down. But counting on with the highlights of my life, my parents were famous trapeze artists known as the Flying Elefantes. They are dead and I do not remember them at all. I've only ever known Granny. She has been my mother and my father. She's taught me everything I know. I have a cat named Archie, and there's also Buddy, the one-eyed dog. He's a dog of our hearts, and he lives with us. He lives with Beverly, but truthfully, Buddy belongs to all of us, me and Remy and Beverly, because we rescued him together. And of course, there is the curse. The curse came about my great-grandfather, the magician, saw my great-grandmother in half and refused to put her back together again, on stage in front of an audience. This, as you can imagine, had disastrous and far-reaching consequences. The curse is a curse of sundering, and it is a very complicated and tragic curse. In any case, those are important facts of my life, and I consider them all in the long moment of the car spinning around and the empty peanut bags flying through the air. When all the spinning and flying considering was done, 
I realized that I had somehow gone entirely off the road. The car was sitting on the grass on the side of the exit ramp. Granny was still on the floor in the back. I could hear a cricket chirping. Crickets are good luck. That's what some people believe. I sat there and listened to the cricket, and I thought about how driving was much more complicated than I had imagined. It turns out that many things are more complicated than I ever thought it would be. The cricket kept singing. There was a cricket in the story of Pinocchio. Most people don't know this, but Pinocchio kills the cricket right in the beginning of the story. Yes, kills him with a mallet. Whenever the cricket shows up after that, he is a ghost. Can you imagine being the ghost of a cricket? That has got to be the most insubstantial thing of all. I have to say that it doesn't seem one bit lucky to me. Granny climbed back onto the seat. She sat up and looked around. She said her, her new favorite word, dentist, and then laid back down and moaned. The car was still running. The engine was making some spluttery noises, but it was still going. And yes, we were on the side of the road. But I figured if I applied the gas pedal, we could get off the side of the road and continue on our journey. And guess what? I was right. I applied the gas, and the car went roaring up the embankment and back onto the macadam. I felt proud of myself. I continued down the road to Richford, Georgia. I drove with some caution. I kept my eyes open for a sign that said, Dentist. Chapter 5. You have to make small plans. That is one of the things I have discovered in this world. It is pointless to make big plans because you'll never know when someone is going to wake you up in the middle of the night and say, The day of reckoning has arrived. Days of reckoning interfere with big plans. So I made small plans. The small plans were, Keep the car on the road, but a distance, never forgive Granny. Although, when I think about it, never forgiving Granny would probably go in the big plan category. Granny mode. She said, why must you haunt me so? What do you want from me? She also said the word dentist from time to time. I kept my mouth shut. I did not offer Granny any comfort to speak of. And what I can say in my defense, except that I was very angry and also that I was doing the best under difficult circumstances, finding a dentist was not as easy as you might imagine. Nothing is. Richford was not a big town. I went past a school of several houses and a church and also a pink cement building that had a sign in front of it that read, Bill's Taxidermy. How could a town have a taxidermist in a pink cement building but not have a dentist? I saw a woman walking her, down, her dog down the side of the road, and I felt a pang. Who was taking care of Archie the cat? Was he right this very minute walking down this highway in search of me? Had he done that before? Before found his way to me against all odds. Where's the Archie? I shouted at Granny. Of course, she did not answer me. I seemed, it seemed cool to press on her at the point that she was in so much pain, but as soon as she was not in pain, I intended to do the exact same thing. Press her on the point. In the meantime, I had to find a dentist. I stopped the car. I did this by depressing the brake pedal very carefully and very slowly. When we had stopped completely, I rolled down the window and called out to the lady with the dog. I said, Excuse me, what is the name of your dog? Granny moved from the back seat. The woman looked at me. I think she was surprised to find a child behind the wheel of a car. Well, I was surprised too. So far, I had been a very surprising day. Pardon me, said the lady. Does your dog have a name? Ernest, she said. I have a cat named Archie, I told her. I also have a dog in my life. His name is Buddy. You'll be happy to know that my friends and I worked together to rescue Buddy from a very tragic situation. Buddy's a dog who only has one eye. How old are you, said the woman. Her eyes narrowed. There's an irrelevant question at this juncture. I said, isn't it? I smiled 
at her using all my teeth. I am wondering if you can tell me where the dentist is. Dr. Fox? Certainly, I said. Should you be driving to the woman? I should be driving, I told her. I gave her a very serious grown-up to grown-up sort of look. The situation is dire. Granny moved from the back seat as if working to prove my point. I smiled at the lady again. Ernest the dog looked at me and wagged his tail. Animals of every sort have always immediately trusted me. Ernest had a very handsome tail. It was burnished apricot in color. I admire your tail, I said to Ernest. He wagged some more. Where is Dr. Foss and Fox? I asked the lady. You take a left on Glove Street, said the woman. And then what, I said. Granny groaned. Who is in the back seat, said the woman. That is my granny in the back seat. But continuing on the directions, I'm going to take a left on Glove Street. What do I do? Dr. Fox's office will be on your right. Thank you very much, I told her. Goodbye, Ernest. Ernest waved his impressive tail. I rolled up the window. The whole exchange had cheered me considerably. I had located a dentist. I had met a dog named Ernest. And also, I liked that Dr. Fox was on Glove Street. If you put the words together, they sound like a song. I started singing Dr. Fox on the Glove Street song. Where is Dr. Fox? And you take a left on Glove, and then you continue on. You take a left on Glove, and you sing the song. Granny moaned from the backseat. I got so happy seeing the Dr. Fong song that I almost forgot about the wrongs I had suffered at Granny's hands. Almost.